Well, why don't we turn to Nehemiah, chapter 4. Um, let's just read all chapter 4 together. Now when Sambalot heard that we were building the wall, he was, very, he was angry and greatly enraged and jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burn ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Yes, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads. Give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt, and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight. For they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So we built the wall, and the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. And in Judah it was said, The strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, They will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, You must return to us. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall in open places I stationed people by their clans with their swords and their spears and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that it was known to us, and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction, and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood beside the whole house of Judah, who were building the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side where he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me, and I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, The work is great and widely spread, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. And I said to the people at that time, Let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes, each kept his weapon at his right hand. So last week we talked about how all these people are working together to build the wall and how in the New Testament, Jerusalem, the New Jerusalem, is said in Revelation, it's the bride of Christ, so the church. And so we talked about how every single person is needed. We need, 
we need each one of you that we're all members of one body. Um, Christ is the head. And we can't say to one another, I don't need you or you don't need me. We all need one another. And each one of us is important. It's not um, a one-man show or a few people and everybody else sits on the bench. Everybody's involved. Everybody's uh, crucial to encourage one another, to trust the Lord, to encourage one another to trust the Lord, to walk day to day, that God put you where you are for a purpose, and he has a plan for you and a purpose for you. And we looked at that verse about David, that when David had fulfilled his purpose, God's purpose for him in his generation, he slept. And so that's true for each one of us. God has a purpose for you. If you'll trust him and walk in that, and you're needed and you're important and you're crucial, and so we need you involved and we need your help every day and every week. Um, and God's got you right where he wants you. And so this week, we're not looking so much as the list of individuals, but this week it's more about the opposition, which also affects everyone, but specifically Nehemiah's response this week to the opposition. So basically, this chapter, chapter 4, and then chapter 6 are about the opposition, and that's an important piece. But I'm going to really focus on Nehemiah's response to the opposition this week before I focus on just opposition in general. So that's kind of where we are now and where we're going. And since 4 and 6 go together, I'm going to skip chapter 5, go to chapter 6, and then come back to chapter 5 because they're kind of connected. Okay, so now on to this week, exactly where we are today. And I want to you to think in terms of the topic we're going to cover today is huge in the whole Bible. And I want you to think of the New Testament. And I read this quote. It was specifically about business, but it relates, I think, in parenting and other areas of life. It says, it basically said that what you recognize and praise will be repeated. So what you see, maybe you're, in this case, it was talking about employees. What you see them do and you recognize them for and praise them for, they're going to repeat that. And other people are going to repeat that when they see that. And it's the same, you could apply it to parenting too. You know, it's like the things that you're praising your kids for when you see them do, you know, um, they're going to want to repeat that because that's natural. And the reverse is true. The things that you're correcting, they're going to not want to do. And especially if those things line up. When they do the good thing and you praise them, and then when they do the thing they shouldn't do, which is the opposite, and you tell them, you know, let's work on that, let's do this different. So let's think about that in terms of Jesus. So I want you to think, what was the thing that Jesus recognized most and he, you know, praised in people as he walked the earth? And then on the reverse, what's the thing that he corrected the most? Anybody have any thoughts? Faith. That's a good answer. Any other thoughts? There might be ones I haven't thought of or different ones. Mm, yeah, worship. Yeah, sacrifices of worship. That's good. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but that just comes up a lot. Well, I didn't go through the whole, uh, all the Gospels and count it up, so I can't say for certain what is the most. Um, there might be quite a few in different angles. You know, love is another one that you know comes up a lot, of course. Uh, but today let's focus on faith, um, and that's that's definitely a huge piece 
of what the whole Bible is, is, is getting at. And I've said this a lot, but I'm going to say it again because it's so important, is that we really, really, really have to have our priorities right. Because if we get all the secondary or tertiary, like third things right, but we get the primary things wrong, we don't have anything. And, you know, in 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about speaking in the tongues of men and of angels and having all wisdom and all knowledge and having even faith so as to move mountains but, and giving a bunch of money or giving away even your body to be burned, but you don't have love, it doesn't mean anything, right? So it's saying you've got to have the first things first. And in that case, it says love is first. But you can see throughout the New Testament that the, this idea of love and faith are huge. They might be number one and number two in the Christian life, or you, we could just say in the life as God intended life to be, love and faith. And we see Jesus over and over praising faith, praising people for their faith, and then correcting people when, they don't, when they're not walking in faith. So let's just look at some of those here before we jump back to Nehemiah. So, I'll just have you look at two, and they're close together, in Matthew. If you want to jump to, let's see here. Matthew 15. Fifteen. 22, let's start in 22, let's read this. This is just one account. But over and over, Jesus praising people's faith. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And the disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So here Jesus sees this woman's faith and he's praising her for it. Great is your faith. Oh, that expression, oh, like he's surprised. There's other places where it specifically says he marvels. We think about all the times that Jesus praised someone's faith. I mean, a lot of times, interestingly, it's Gentiles, right? The centurion, he comes to Jesus and asks um, him to heal his servant, and he says, basically, well, you don't, I know that you don't have to go to my house. You can do it from here. And Jesus marveled at his faith and said, great was his faith. So Jesus, over and over and over, is praising people for showing faith and having faith. And he says things that are even kind of odd, like when someone comes to him, and remember when the woman touches his garment, he says, your faith has made you well. He doesn't say, I made you well. He said, your faith. He's like, he's putting the emphasis on faith, and he's like lifting up, like this faith is a big deal, and he's praising it there, praising her faith. Although it's faith in him, obviously, so it is him. But he's, he's focusing in, and the way he says it is kind of awkward and strange, a strange way to say it. Because he's praising her faith. And then on the flip side, not only is he building people up and encouraging them when they show faith, and basically, what is that to the disciples, right? So here, imagine the disciples standing around and they hear these Jesus over and over praising all these people. You know, great is your faith. And he even says things like, I haven't seen faith like this in Israel. And they're all watching. What, what message are they getting? Like, Jesus wants us to have faith. 
And then he does the reverse too. You know, he'll say things like, um, oh, you have little faith, and things like that to encourage them when they're not showing faith. Um, look, while you're right there in Matthew 15, jump just a few chapters over to Matthew 17 and look at this. Uh, 17, uh, 14. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him, he said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers terribly, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately, and he said, Why could we not cast it out? And he said, Because of your little faith. For truly, I tell you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So you see both sides there. Jesus is saying, like, you didn't have faith in God. And then he's praising, basically saying, like, Look, faith is so important. If you just have faith like a mustard seed, just this tiny amount of faith, um, that nothing will be impossible for you. God God will be with you. There's commands. Jesus has commands specifically just to have faith. Um, different places in the Gospels, a lot of it. There's a lot of passages in Matthew. Uh, I'll just read you one more. This particular one's from Mark. And um, Jesus, this is just, they just saw the fig tree wither, and he says to them, Jesus answered them, have faith in God. So there's a command. Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done, done for him. So Jesus over and over is praising faith, and he's correcting them when they have little faith, which it's pretty encouraging in many ways to see that the Bible gives us very clear priorities. And because if we had to get everything right, we would be in trouble, which praise the Lord for grace, for forgiveness. And, but also praise the Lord that he's simplified our lives for us, that he's given us, here's the most important things, and here's the secondary things, and we can focus. You know, even just what he says, even about love, what are the greatest commandments? You know, they ask him, what's the greatest commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. And love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. On these hang all of the law and the prophets. So focus on some of the main things, and these other things will fall into place. Even think about the verse from the New Testament, anything not done in faith is sin. You know, we see this same thing in the Paul's letters, and we don't have time to go through, but Let's someday let's do it, is go through and see what Paul's praising at the beginning of his letters a lot of times it's the two big things, love and faith. And he says, it's right for me to give thanks to you. I think this is the Thessalonians. It's right for me to give thanks to you because you're growing in your faith and you're abounding in love. It's like he's praising them. And he does it over and over in a lot of different letters. Focuses in on those two areas, faith and love. And so that's what I want to focus on today in Nehemiah is his response of faith to opposition is trusting God in opposition, trusting God day to day. And it's something that I want it to be kind of a drumbeat in our life together as a church over and over and over is focus on these main things, love and faith, and just over and over hit them because if we get these, it's going to be huge. And if we don't, it doesn't matter um, all the other things we get right. If we don't 
act in act in faith and and walk in love. And so, let's look at Nehemiah again. If you want to jump back to chapter four, so there's all this opposition. And what's Nehemiah's response? What's the right response for us in our daily life? Is faith in God and turning to God and trusting God. I'm just going to highlight a few things here. I'm going to go kind of quick, just highlighting Nehemiah's response. Just skipping over the opposition, which we'll focus on later, but focusing on what Nehemiah does in response. 4.4, he says, Nehemiah 4.4, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. And he just basically just prays, pours out this prayer of how he feels back, back to God. 4.9, And we prayed to God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. 4.14 And I arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. And then 4.20 So he's talking to the people and he's telling them, This is what we're going to do. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So what I want to talk to you about today is the priority of faith, faith in the everyday, and then fostering faith in others. Because we see Jesus doing this. We see Nehemiah doing it. He's not only acting in faith, but he's attempting to foster faith in other people. And so he's telling them, trust God, look to God. God is going to be there for us. God's going to fight for us. So we see the priority of faith. We want to practice our faith day to day. And then we want to foster faith in those around us. And so that's the three things I want to talk to you about today. So first, the priority of faith is many of the things we already covered. Just look at the New Testament. Look at the Old Testament. Look at what Jesus uh, prays. Look at what the Old Testament prays. Abraham believed God. Remember, belief and faith, same word. Uh, one is a verb, one is a noun. Um, he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Think about the Hebrews chapter 11 where it's all these people who are living by faith. And there's a lot of things they got wrong. Like we read through that chapter and we're like, Samson? You know, and some of these other people, it's like, how is it said about them, you know, the, the, the praises? Well, it's, he's praising their faith. He's not praising that they never messed up. He's not praising that they had everything figured out. He's not praising that they uh, did everything right. He's praising that they trusted God. And many times he's overlooking even long sections of time where they weren't trusting God, right? And so we want to trust God every day. And this isn't simply, okay, Jesus died for my sins, and I'm going to trust him with my sins, and then I live my life not really looking to God day to day. It's every single day. You know, the Bible calls it walking by faith. We're walking with God. It's like these little everyday encounters where we're actively trusting God, consciously giving things to God, difficulties, um, challenges, things that are going well, like everything. We're just giving it to God and saying, God, I trust you with my kids. I trust you with my work. I trust you with this hard thing. I trust you with this opposition. I trust you with this sermon. I trust you with today, what you've got planned for me. I trust you with this interruption. Just over and over and over, we're looking to God and we're 
working out this muscle of faith every single day. We don't want to trust God in the big things, which is our soul and our sin. That's huge. We do want to trust God in that. But we don't want to stop there and just trust him for the big things. And then day to day, we're walking through our day, not thinking about God, not trusting him for our tests, not trusting him with our schoolwork, not trusting him with our friendship, not trusting him with our words, with our actions, with the time we watch TV with our kids. You know, even just saying, God, I trust that there could be something beneficial in this and it could lead to a, you know, a helpful conversation or that it wouldn't, you know, whatever it is. All these things in our life, we're wanting to trust God day by day by day by day because we're wanting to get to the place where, like Nehemiah, we get in, when we get into a hard place, it's like breathing. It's like walking. It's like we're just going to keep going on and doing the same thing we've always done, which is giving this difficulty to God and not waiting until it's always the big thing, but exercising the muscle of faith day by day by day by day and growing. We want to be like the Thessalonians where we're growing in our faith, and that means every day consciously trusting God with where he's put us, with what he's given us to do, with the difficulties in our life, small and big. And we see this here in Nehemiah, right? Because this doesn't come out of nowhere. His faith here in opposition doesn't, doesn't come out of nowhere. We see at the very beginning, he's praying to God. He's giving these difficulties of the people in Jerusalem over to God, and he's trusting God with them. And he's praying, and he's praying. He prays for four months. And then what happens? The king of Persia, not Babylon, <laughs> um, the king of Persia, finally he has an opportunity to ask him basically to leave. And what does he do? He stops and prays in the middle of this sentence, God help me. Well, we don't know what he said, but it says he stopped and prayed right after he asked the question. So he's praying. In the middle of conversations, he's praying, difficult conversations. And so he's, then he goes on this thousand mile journey. Then he comes and he looks around. You know, all these things, we see him, his faith, day by day faith, for four months praying is, is exercising that muscle of faith over a long time. And I'm sure there were days where he felt like giving up. And good thing he did, because look what, what it prepared him to do. It prepared him to trust God for 53, I think. I might be off on that. Uh, 50-something days of building the wall, and there's opposition and opposition and opposition, and he has been trusting and trusting and trusting day by day, and then he has to trust and trust and trust. So we, we don't want to be people who trust God with our sins and the big things in our life, maybe who we're going to marry, and then day by day we're walking without him, without actively giving and trusting him with the little things and the important things, the day-by-day things in our life. You know, we trust God with the lives of our kids, where they're, who they're going to marry, these big things, but we want to trust God with our everyday interactions with our kids. And we want to walk them out day by day and model them, which comes to our third point, which we're talking about the priority of faith. We see that. We see practicing our faith day to day, but we also see modeling our faith, you know, and, and fostering faith in others. And the way we do that is by day by day by day trusting God with whatever comes. I mean, think about what Nehemiah is doing here. He is modeling for them, and he's telling them things that he is living himself. He's praying, he's trusting God with these difficulties, and he's saying, trust God with me. Let's trust God together. And this is what we want to do. We want to foster faith in one another. We can trust God. You know, we might not be the best parents in the world. And you know what? We're probably not going to be, but you know what we could be? We could be believing parents and trusting God that he's going to help us and that he's going to guide us and that even when we mess up, he's going to show us what to do, how to apologize to our kids and, and how to model faith for them. How when something goes wrong, um, you know, my natural reaction is to get frustrated, to just work and work and work until it gets fixed. But what I want to do different is 
model faith for my kids, not model self-effort and say, look, this is going wrong. I don't know what to do. Why don't we stop and pray and then take the next step? Because we want to foster faith in one another. Like this idea of living day by day in faith isn't just us on our own. Well, one, it's God. We're looking to God. That's the person that we're looking to. We're, we're looking to God when we pray. Even what Nehemiah said here, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. We're remembering God. That's who we're remembering when we're trusting. We're trusting God. We're like We can't do this. God can. And I'm trusting who he is, what he's done, and I'm going to walk in that. As we do that day to day, we can foster that in one another. And so when I am unbelieving or doubting or looking at a situation not through the eyes of faith, just through the eyes of the flesh, that you can come alongside me and say, trust God, remember God, let's pray together, let's pray about this, let's walk into this with an attitude of faith. And think about the difference this really makes in in your life, that God is going to do things. He's promised. There's promises that God is absolutely going to do, like rebuild Jerusalem, and like be with us every day. And you can either believe that or not believe it. And what difference would it make if every day you actually believe just a few things that the Bible says, just a few of the promises, and you took them for yourself and and believed God, and it's going to be hard. It's going to be like exercise where it's like a muscle that you have to, you have to work. And it, there's going to be days where it doesn't feel like God is with you. You know, he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And it's going to, there's going to be days where you don't feel that. You feel like it feels, your feelings are telling you that God's not with me today. If it, the day feels terrible. The day feels like everything's going wrong. But you've got to trust the Lord and walk in faith, even when it's hard, and it'll grow. And God is preparing you to help others and also for other things that are going to come into your life. It's like, it's going to be hard. There's going to be things where it's like, I want to actively trust God today with as much as I can in my day. And then the next day, it's going to be hard. And it's like, you you trust God for two or three days in a row praying about the same thing. If that's the first time you're praying over and over and over, you know, many days, it's going to be hard on the third day and the fourth day and the fifth day. But God's going to grow your faith your faith can grow and you can get to where you pray long term for things and you believe god for things and you trust god with difficult things and when there's a you know a wreck on the highway and you're stuck in traffic for two hours if you've been trusting god day to day with the little interruptions in your day it's going to be easier to say you know what god's still in control this was not my plan this is not my preference but i can trust the lord and say god help me be patient here i'm trusting you you're in control and it's those little things building up. It's not going to come out of nowhere. And we see this in, throughout the Bible. And we see it's so often it's intertwined with this encouraging of other people's faith. And think about David when he fought Goliath. It's like that's a big moment. It's like if you're going to talk about when, when in the Old Testament were these huge moments of faith where it's like, wow, this is amazing. The thing that always blows my mind when I read that story of David and Goliath, which is what we're going to actually read tonight at the College Bible Study because we've been going through First Samuel for like a year, is where David says to Goliath, I'm going to cut off your head. And then it says, the writer um, says, he didn't have a sword. Makes, he makes sure he notes that. It's like, David tells Goliath, I'm going to cut your head off. He doesn't even have a sword. That's crazy. Not just facing Goliath. As a kid, and everyone's telling you, like, you're not going to be able to do it. He's a man of war. You're not going to be able to do it. That's, that's unbelievable faith. But then to say to him, like, I'm going to cut your head off. It's like, well, where's your sword? You've got a stick and a stone. It's like, 
I'm trusting God. He says, God, he specifically says, you're coming with sword and spirit, but I'm coming with God. <laughs> like the, all my, in the name of God. And I'm going to cut your head off, even though I don't have a sword. And he does, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, and they don't show that in the kids, the kids Bible, obviously, but, um, but it's, it's just unreal. It's like faith upon faith upon faith. But then think about what he says when Saul says to him, like, you can't do this. What did David say? He said, well, I trusted God to deliver me from the paw of the bear. I trusted God to deliver me from the paw of the lion. And God will deliver me. You know, paw is like the, basically the hand of the, of the animal, right? The paw, the paw, and then the hand of this Philistine. It's like I've already been trusting God to keep me out of the, the hands of these dangers I've already been trusting God, and he's already been with me. And yeah, this is bigger. You know, he's bigger than a bear. He's, I can't remember how tall I was, nine foot something. And he's holding all this armor, but I've already trusted God, and I can trust God here. And that's the way these men of faith live. It's like God is working in you, and God's growing your faith. God's sending you little difficulties so that you can practice and grow in your faith so that you'll be ready when you need to encourage other people in their faith. Because remember, nobody was at that time with Samuel, was believing God. It's like they're all just standing around and scared uh, with David in 1 Samuel 17. Nobody was believing God. And David was, it seems like to me, the way I read it is, he's trying to foster their faith. He's saying like, but what is, what is Saul going to do for the man who, who kills Goliath, you know? Is he, and they tell him like, he's, gonna, he's, gonna, um, he's not going to have to pay taxes and he's going to be able to marry Saul's daughter and all these things. And it seems like David is trying to foster their, their faith. Like, isn't somebody going to do this? Like, look, like you can do this. Somebody can do this. And then he says specifically in 1 Samuel 17, he says, basically, I don't want other people to fear this Philistine. I'm going to walk out. And he has in his mind, like, I'm fostering other people's faith. Um, I should have marked that verse so I could read it to you. You can go back and read it and find that verse. But that's a pattern throughout the Bible. We see it here in Nehemiah. We see it in other stories. You could probably think about it um, from whatever story comes to your mind in terms of acts of faith. It's like we walk day to day. That grows our faith, and that gives us an opportunity to encourage others in their faith. And we need one another. Um, we need one another just like we talked about last week. And one of the things we really want to do is foster faith in one another. And now here's one final th- thought before we get to application that I want to just talk to you about is How sad would it be just to know about faith, to know about God, and not to actually do it, right? Not to actually pick up the shield of faith and actually walk with it, right? To know it's there, to know how to use it, and then to never pick it up. That's, that would be so sad. And think about all the darts and all the things that God is preparing for you to do that you are not going to be able to do if you don't actually use it. Not just know it in your mind, but actually do it day to day. We, don't, we want to be people who live our faith out every day. We want to trust God with every sin that we commit, with all of our sins as a whole, with our soul and with our eternity, but we also want to trust Him with every single little moment throughout the day. Um, as often as it comes to our minds, you know, as you're working, you can't give every, you know, I, I worked for a while in college on this meat line, meat packing line, and whenever I see those little sandwich meat things at, um, at Walmart, they have like, it's like basically like a Gladware type thing that it, the meat comes in there in these little packages. It's like I can smell and feel that like assembly line that I worked on, meat factory line, because I worked all the different like little stations or whatever. And 
there's like this hot glue that puts those um, cardboard things on the top and then prints the little um, you know expiration date on the side and it's all that is to say I could not after each one of those trust God <laughs> it's like there's too much I had to think I had to be where I was but when I had time to step back or when something went wrong I could I didn't always but I had an opportunity to think and, and trust God with my day um, I didn't always do that but that all that is to say there's times in your day where you're fully focused and that's okay but when you get a break, when you get an interruption, when you're on your way to your next meeting or in between your classes, you can just say a short prayer like Nehemiah did when he was uh, before the king. Just It was just a one-second prayer. He didn't stop the whole conversation to pray for five minutes. He just said something like, God, help me with this next class, or God, help me with this next part of my day. God, help me with um, to be productive today, to help please you today. Help me with my kids today. Help me to, help me to respond to my kids, not react to my kids. I want to... Be intentional and do it the way you want me to do it, but I need your help. Please, God, help me. All these little things throughout our day, we can exercise faith, but we don't want to know the right answer but not actually pick up the shield. It applies to Jesus' blood for you too, though. I mean, if there's somebody here who isn't a Christian, who you're not trusting God at all, not even with your soul, not even with all your sins, you need to trust. You need to trust him. Start with the biggest thing, which is pretty amazing that we begin our Christian life by believing God for the biggest thing, which is our eternity, our soul, and our sins. That's pretty amazing. But you can start there. Trust God with all that you've ever done, that he'll wash away your sins by his blood. Believe what he said. Another illustration that's not from the Bible, that's a very similar um, message, is Spurgeon has this little uh, book called The Checkbook of the Bank of Faith. And he compares all the verses in the Bible, all the promises to God, to a check. And he basically says this, God has written you a check, which is this promise. And the promise is, I will do this. Just like somebody says when they write you a check, I will give you this money. Uh, all you have to do is sign your name at the bottom and take it to the bank. Sometimes people give you a blank check and you have to um, fill in the date. You know, it's like, uh, when, especially if you're a college student, it's like, okay, you're going to need some money. Here's this check. And Whenever the time comes, just go ahead and write the date on it, and you can take it to the bank. Well, we have that opportunity every day with God. It's like God has written you a check, and many of them have no date on it. Like, you can have it every single day. It says all, you know. God is always kind, and all his ways are righteous, you know. Or um, God is able to make all grace overflow to you so that in all times, having all sufficiency in all things, you may overflow in every good work. All those alls there, that is a check for you for every day, which is God's going to fill you and help you with whatever you're doing by, by grace. That's a check. And all you have to do is take the check, write today's date on it, and take it in and say, God, here it is, like you promised, and I'm here to receive it. Just like you take a check into the bank. It's like, here, I've got this check. You take the money in. And it's a real check. It's a check that actually is worth something. Um, kind of a funny story. Um, have you ever seen those big checks you know, that people get like when they win the lottery or whatever? I got a big scholarship um, when I went to college before, uh, my senior year in high school, and they actually gave me a big check. And I was like, what do you do with this? This is awesome. You, know? you get to take it home. And so I took it to the, um, this tells you what to call it, what a high school 
student is like. But I took it to the bank, and I pushed that little button where they send the tube up. And I was like, I just cannot get this check in the tube to send it through. And they look out, and they're like, I'll be there in a second. And they come to the window, and I pulled that huge check out. <laughs> and they saw, you know, they're like, oh, congratulations. You know, It's not a real check, by the way, just in case you're wondering. I, you cannot take that check to the bank, right? It doesn't have the the number on the bottom, like the account number or whatever. I think that's so whenever you take a picture of you with a big check, it's like their account number is not all over the internet probably. Because, yeah, anyways. All that is to say, that check is not cashable, right? You take it into the bank, it doesn't matter if you sign it, right? Because it's not a real check. God's promises are real, right? You take it in and he's going to do it. There's times where it's an everyday thing where all you have to do is say, today God's going to be with me because he promised and you have to just take it and believe it by faith, and God, God is there with you. There's other times where there's promises that you don't know when they're going to be fulfilled. It's not an all promise. It's not that every day, but it's a promise that's going to happen. You might not know when, but you just hold on to the check, hold on to the promise, and know that one day this is going to be fulfilled. But we don't want to live our lives having a check and just being devoid of the benefits, right? Imagine somebody who couldn't pay the rent. They had the check, but they didn't have the faith to cash it. Well, I don't know if they really have the money. I don't think this person really is going to give me the money. So I'm going to just leave the check sitting on my counter and not be able to pay my bills or not have the money to get, you know, I don't know what um, what kind of food is your, like, splurge food, like the nice coffee or organic chicken or whatever. It's like you have to go with the ramen instead because you don't take the check that you could actually cash. You don't believe it. Well, that's like the Christian life. Like you have the opportunity to be living the good life in terms of spiritually. Like there's peace available to you. There's help available to you. There's the presence of God available to you. Don't just leave the check on the counter like that's not for today or that's not for me or just like I'm not really even going to think about that check today. It's like you don't want to just forget. You take it. By faith, at the beginning of the day, give your day to God. Ask him to help you and live out and receive those benefits day to day. Not just leave the checks piling up and not receiving them. Um, God's there for you and it's that real. And we want to take it. We don't want to know it and just be able to repeat it. We don't want to be able to... Think about how sad this is. Many of us can repeat so many verses that we use once a year that we could be using every single day. How sad is that? It's like the kid that is in college and is eating ramen every day, and the parent's like, why didn't you cast your check? You could be eating, you know, Chipotle or whatever it is. This is good food to you. It's like, you could, be, you could have been eating it. You know, it's like, oh, I forgot. It's like, that's, that's on you, man. Um, and that's the same on us. Like, God wants to help us every day, and you have the opportunity. And you have the opportunity to help others, you know. You can tell them, hey, you need to take this check to the bank. <laughs> Deposit it. You know, you need to believe that God's with you. And so how can we apply this to one another? Like, how can we foster this? You know, one way we could do this is to have this in our mind uh, when we're together. If there's somebody going through something difficult, remind them, help them, and say, is there any verses that you've been thinking about that you've been um, applying? Somebody, somebody's telling you about all their difficulties and all their doubts and, and how they're struggling in this and that area, and you could just ask them this question. Have you said all that you just said to me? Have you said that to God and cast that on God? And many times people will just say no. They find it easier to tell a person than to actually go to God. It's like, well, you need to do that. You need to say everything you said to me to God. Pour out your heart. Pour out your feelings and give it to him. Give this situation to him. And that's where real help is going to come. I mean, it's so amazing how often people ask. People want the pastor to know like the answers, which 
I don't know many answers. So a lot of times I'll ask, like, did you look in your study Bible? Because <laughs> that's what I would do, you know, and things like that. Or did you pray about it? And a lot of times people just say, no. It's like, well, you start there. And vast majority of the time people don't come back. It's like, they don't need me. They need God, you know. And when they pray about it, it's like, oh, God help me. It's like, great. That's what we want to do to one another. It's like constantly turn people back to God. Trust God. Give this to God. Pour this out to God. Think about even our prayer requests as we uh, share them, you know, in our service. You could think this is an opportunity not only to ask for prayer, but to model faith and to say, look, we're going on a trip. I could say, you know, we just got back from this trip that we took. Instead of just saying, please pray for us on our trip, I could say, we're going on a trip. Please pray for us. We're trusting that this is going to be good for our family and that God has a reason for this and that this is a blessing from the Lord that somebody offered us to stay in their lake house. You know, it's a real blessing and we're trusting that the Lord uh, is, use, is going to use it and we just appreciate your prayer. It's like, it changes it, right? I mean, asking for prayer um, is good and we should do that. But we can model faith. That's just, and we can do that in our everyday conversations. It doesn't have to be to everybody, but it can be in our everyday conversations. And so I want you to encourage me. I want to encourage you in our faith and to walk in it every single day. Um, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, whatever obstacles God, God has put in your life, he's growing your faith. What other, one other way we could apply this is as we see difficulties in our life, not think about them as obstacles, but think about them as training from God. That's what a lot of these verses about trials are saying. It's like, this isn't a trial, or it is a trial, but it's all it's training to train and strengthen your faith. And you may need that. You may think about these little things that come up during your day and think about them as this is just preparation when, something, when there's something bigger that's going to happen or when um, something else I need to have faith and God's helping me and teaching me and growing me today. And I'm going to use this as an opportunity to train, you know. You think about how different that mindset is, that mindset of training versus obstacle. You know, you remember that movie, The Karate Kid? Uh, maybe, actually, probably most, some of you don't, but some of you do. It's like this little kid, and there's this person who's teaching him training. He does all these crazy things because he thinks they're training. I think there was one where he's, you know, waxing the car, and the guy says, what am I learning? And he says something like, nothing, you're just waxing my car, or something like that. Um, <laughs> but he's doing all these things because he's like, there's value in this even though it's hard, even though I don't even remember all the things he did, but if, if God told you to cut the grass one blade at a time with a pair of scissors, you would do it. It's like, well, there's got to be a reason, you know, even though this is difficult. Um, there's a purpose. That's the way we need to think about all these difficulties in our life. It's like, yeah, this isn't just some difficulty, something random happened. This is God teaching me, and even though this is inconvenient or this isn't what I would choose to be doing, God is growing me. And the pain, you know, that we feel when we, our faith is stretched to see it as this isn't just pain. This is my faith being stretched and my faith having an opportunity to grow in my faith and be challenged and be stretched and to be more like Jesus. So just in conclusion, let's, let's do this. Let's try and apply this to our life and live our life, a life of faith. Wherever we're at with the big things, our sins, our soul, our eternal life, we're trusting God for that with the little things, delays, flat tires, um, unexpected bills, bad attitudes with the kids, everything, giving them to God and growing in our faith and, and encouraging one another as we walk day to day, um, walking in faith. 
And so I, this is something I want to hit over and over and over because it's so big and so important. And it's something that we don't want to be a church that knows all the answers or thinks we know all the answers, but then day to day we're not living with reality. We've got a big stack of checks and we know what all of them say and we never take them to the bank. We don't want to be that person. Um, we want to be following the example of Christ and Nehemiah and living a life of faith and helping others in, to do that too in spite of opposition. So let's pray together. God, we just look to you and we just confess uh, we can't do this on our own. If we tried to make all this happen on our own without trusting you, uh, we would just fail and we need your help every day. It's a spirit that gives life, so we're asking you to empower us by your spirit to trust you every day. I pray that even as we um, stumble and fail at this and have to repent and ask you for help every day, that the ways that we do model it, even imperfectly to our kids, that it would encourage them just to trust you for their sins and their soul and everything. Um, I pray you'd help us to foster faith in one another, and we, we want to be more like Nehemiah and like David and like Jesus. We need help. So we're looking to you and we're trusting that you promised help and you, you're, this wasn't our idea. You're the one um, that gave us the Bible and is asking us to walk in this so we're believing that you're going to help us in it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.